0: Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. Now, it's pretty true. Nobody expects to face a problem uh, that leaves you in a, in a situation where you can't meet your financial obligations or getting being able to pay your bills. And I know that I always think to myself... What, what's going to happen when I can't pay or if I can't pay? Mm-hmm. And that's super stressful. Yeah, really no scary. It, yeah. Really scary. Mm-hmm. Especially, well, you know, hidden costs and stuff like that. Like all of a sudden it, it started out to be this cost and now it's this cost and oh man, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about ways um, that we can help people who find themselves in that situation.
1: Yeah, I think that the biggest way we can help, Elaine, is just to give people information, right? Fair you know, enough. People have a general um, view in their mind that debt collectors have all of these powers, that they're going to be thrown in jail, publicly shamed, tarred and feathered, various different things, Right. when the reality is quite a bit different. So for today's segment, we want to shed a bit of light on that because I think a lot of consumers still remain a little bit uninformed or, or misinformed sometimes about, you know, what can happen if they're just legit- legitimately unable to pay their debts. Um, you know, one just aside here that I've seen um, really focusing on gaps in consumer knowledges or weaknesses in consumer knowledges is this CRA phone scam that we're all getting. Oh, I, had, I had a call this morning at about 9am and I had one on Monday at about 4pm. Yeah. The one this morning was from Ontario, the one on Monday was from New Brunswick, I believe. So, well, so they yeah. tell you, right? That's what the caller ID says but really it's all from India. We know it that. is yeah. and,
0: and it's it's been quite a story in September for sure. Yeah. Uh, what is or isn't being done to combat it. But yeah, I yeah. remember we talked to um, uh, 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 he he was a new Westminster chief of police and mm. he said even I get them and, <laughs> and oh, yeah. he's in charge tr- oh that was just crazy to me yeah. anyways
1: and, and the little piece of knowledge there is CRA will never call you demanding call payment you. they'll never threaten you with arrest and they'll never take gift cards or bitcoin as payment
0: no and they won't text you and they won't send you an email either yeah it will be a letter it will be very clear that it's from Canada Revenue Agency Absolutely. and I'm pretty sure they don't call themselves CRA when they're writing you not <laughs> <officially>. generally no yeah <laughs> that's the other so, so case.
1: Warning, warning flags here, but yeah. yeah, so let's talk about what really can happen if you, if you can't pay your bills. Yeah. And, you know, it's essentially there's a bunch of different things that can happen on a scale from innocuous, you know, very severe. Um, you know, the first one and this one, you know, when I sit down with clients and I see, well, gee, you're not in the regular interest rate anymore; you're in the special interest rate. What that means is that they Oof. often increase your interest rate if you start to miss payments. So you might have been on an introductory rate that, you know, zero or two percent or something, and as soon as you miss a payment, it's up to 20 or 29 percent. Or you might have been at 19 percent interest for your regular rate, but if you read your cardholder agreement, if you're delinquent for a couple of payments, suddenly all of your interest rates get jacked up to 29 percent.
0: Which really doesn't make any sense to me at all that you. And start charging somebody more for not being able to make their payments because there's something going on there that they can't pay.
1: It's like someone's drowning and instead of helping them, you're putting the fire hose in their mouth.
0: Exactly. Exactly. that. really
1: not helpful, but I can see from the creditor's point of view, they're just trying to get what they can. You know, if they think that this person maybe won't pay things off, well, the more interest we charge, maybe the more payments we'll get now because we might not get them later.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Engage a collection agency.
1: Yeah, this is probably the most significant action um, that you're going to notice right away, that if you can't pay your bills, typically the first couple months, it'll be very, very nice calls from the bank or from the creditor saying, okay, well, you know, maybe you missed a payment or, um, you know, maybe something was wrong in your account this month, but let's catch it up. After three months, they've given up on the creditor relationship or on the client relationship and they call in a collection agency where there are reputable agencies and very disreputable agencies agencies, but just the idea of having someone call you from 7 a.m. in the morning till about nine at night, six, seven days a week, um, and there are rules about what they can say and threats that can or can't be made, but from my experience with clients, there's a lot of things that are said in these phone calls that really shouldn't be said.
0: Hmm, That sounds awful. Yeah, that sounds awful. What about my bank account?
1: Oh, just just one last thing on, on the collection agencies too. So, you know, the piece of knowledge I want to leave people with here today is you don't have to put up with those. The province of BC has consumer protection legislation that if you send a letter, and I've got the letter on my website as a form letter, that says, I don't consent to collection calls. When I do business, I do it by mail. They have to respect that. So these intimidating calls just don't engage. Just say, okay, I'm going to send you a legal letter. What is your contact info? And then you hang up the phone.
0: Okay. So what if they don't adhere to that letter? What happens then? What kind of action can I take?
1: Yeah, the uh, Business Practices and Consumer Protection Agency of BC, so BPCP It's a big, big acronym. Um, They're exactly who you would follow up with, and they will find and they will enforce against collection agencies in the province of BC.
0: Okay, so they'll actually look after me. All right. So bank accounts. What happens with them?
1: Yeah, one of the. biggest key advice is that we give to folks when they come in to see us is right off the top, change your bank account. If you're banking where you owe money, um, literally tomorrow, go to a new bank and separate your debts from your assets. Because if you miss a payment and say you've got an account with Royal Bank and you've got a Royal Bank Visa and you miss a payment, There is nothing that stops Royal Bank and they're very quick to do so all of the banks of going into your account and taking that payment. If you're severely delinquent and maybe you just deposited a bunch of money for your rent, getting ready to draw it out again, you might find you can't touch any of that money because the person that you owe money to, that same bank, has uh, executed their right of offset, which means that they can take your money to satisfy a debt. Now that right of offset doesn't exist across institutions. So if you have your bank account, your money, anywhere else where you don't owe money, it can't be seized from you unless one of two things happens. Either you owe the government money and they can do whatever they want essentially, but it does take time or your creditor decides to hire a lawyer, take you to court, so on and so forth, and then try to seize your wages or sorry, seize your money in your bank account. It almost never happens the latter, but what almost always happens is if you do miss payments and you're banking where you owe the money, um, they will go into your account and take those payments.
0: So is it a good rule then to follow never take money out from the bank, from a, a financial institution that you have all your accounts with?
1: That's what I would recommend, separate your income, your earnings, your pension, whatever it is, put that into a bank where you don't owe them a cent, not even an overdraft.
0: And that's just as a precaution, I'm mm-hmm. thinking. You're not even in a situation that that's an issue, but just as yeah. a
1: precaution. It's just a best practice. Um, banks don't like it. They want you to put everything under one roof, but I've never had any issues paying various institutions from another. You set everything up on auto pay anyway. It's just giving you extra protection at the expense of the bank, having the ability to just take your assets when when if you do default.
0: And those financial institutions, it doesn't matter who they are, they will appeal to you to do... Mm -hmm. The exact opposite, like to do everything with them. And I know that they also play on your emotions that, you know, they're your friends. Mm -hmm. They're looking after this for you. They might as well look after that for you. Is there anything else I can do for you Mm -hmm. while you're here? Would you consider, you know, and that's a good reason not to do that.
1: Well, and it can be built up, you know, over 20, 25 years, you can have a very solid relationship with the bank, but mark these words, three months of delinquent payments, that relationship is done. Yeah. The collectors are in there, and they're saying things that you would never want to hear, um, not caring about your twenty, twenty-five year history with the institution.
0: Yeah, that's really important information. Mm-hmm. Um, what about legal action? Because that's always a, a bit of a, a concern, that um, if there is legal action, that... Uh, what am I up against at that yeah. point if they win?
1: Well, so first off, legal action is always threatened because people know and the creditors know it's frightening, it's terrifying. It is to see just your the na- words, yeah, to see your name on court documents, whether they're fraudulently drafted or or real. Um, you know, you you get pause, your your heart skips a beat, kind of thing. But first off the top, if ten thousand people owe money, all ten thousand are going to be threatened with legal action but who's actually going to get sued? One out of the 10,000. It's very very rare that creditors actually take you to court. They'll threaten six ways to Sunday because a threat costs nothing, um, but to actually take you to court, got to hire a lawyer, serve you with documents, wait for you to show up, hope that they win in court, and then hope they can enforce the judgment, which as any of our loyal listeners would know, even if you've been sued and someone's gotten a judgment against you, you can still come to Sands and Associates, you can still do a bankruptcy or a proposal, and that judgment, that court action will have essentially been a waste. It doesn't give them any extra power in a, in a proceedings just because they've taken you to court. Now, if you are the one in the 10,000 that does get sued, here's what can happen. So if they take you to court and they win, and by win, it means that they get a judgment against you. A judgment means that, you know, a judge in a court of law said, yes, this is a valid debt. And if you owe MasterCard or Visa some money, it's a valid debt, you know, unless you're saying that your identity was stolen, probably you're not going to dispute the debt. If they get a judgment against you, they can either come after your wages, and this is called a wage garnishment. And generally, they can go up to about thirty percent of your wages in the province of BC, which so, is a lot. Talk about rocking your world if you're just trying to live every month, and then suddenly thirty percent is coming off the top. Yeah. Um, the other thing that they can do is they can try to seize certain assets. Most common ones being if you have money in the bank. Um, if they've got a judgment against you, they can go to the bank and execute an order to basically take all of your assets there. Um, you know, as long as they're less than the value of the judgment or what's also very prevalent is if you have real estate, they can just register their charge on title and that means that when you're renewing your mortgage or if you sell the place, legally that debt gets paid out dollar for dollar.
0: So, and that's like a lien almost, Exactly,
1: that, that's what Operates it is. Operates like yeah.
0: a lien. Okay, so let's talk about the good news because I'm sort of done with all the bad news. Oh,
1: well, one, one last okay. thing, um, just on jail time. Oh, I do. Right? I, I know, on the, on the good news, this is good news though. Many people are very worried, you know, do I ever go to jail for owing money? The answer is no. I've never seen anybody go to jail for owing money. The risk would be if you are ever sued and now you're part of a court proceeding and you're told to show up, if you don't show up or have a representative show up or something like that, there could be a warrant put out for your arrest. But that's just basically for contempt. Of court. That could be for any proceeding. It's not due to debt. Nobody goes to, to jail for debts in Canada, to my knowledge.
0: Okay. So the number one creditor that we've all dealt with or, or deal with on a regular basis or a yearly basis for sure is Canada Revenue Agency. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the percentage is, but a huge percentage of people owe money every year. Yeah. So um, how does that work when they're my creditor?
1: Well, they're the most powerful creditor. And I often tell my clients an old adage, communication is often as good as cash. So as long as you stay in touch with Canada Revenue Agency, they're very unlikely or less likely at least to surprise you by taking your wages or seizing your bank account or registering on your home. And they've got the ability to surprise you where all of the other creditors have to hire a lawyer, have to serve you with documents, so on and so forth. CRA can just go straight to getting a judgment against you and registering that on your house. They don't need to go to court. It's okay. basically a tax debt. They can say, you know, this is a legally st- a debt with legal standing and they can pursue a garnishy or seize your assets. So it can be serious. The good news, again, if you stay in touch with them, you try to work out payment plans for what you can afford, they're often very reasonable people. And the better news is, if you can't work out a deal with them, a licensed insolvency trustee can always help you with tax debt, with credit cards, with everything under the sun, essentially.
0: Fair enough. And other tips for dealing with unpaid debt. Mm-hmm. So, if you're in a situation that you can't make your debt payments, um, I like this. I like the first one. Open your mail. I have. Yeah. It, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's not getting any better if you just have a stack of it. And oh. you, you don't want to do it in, in just yourself. Well, then bring it into the office. I've got a letter opener. I sit with my clients. We open a stack and we all feel better after it. <laughs> um, but yeah, you've got to know what the what the issue is before you're going to tackle it.
0: I think staying calm and not getting super stressed and anxious and getting help. I yeah. mean, if you get some, some help, that's the key, right?
1: Yeah, and the stay calm is don't let anybody talk you into doing the wrong thing. Like, you know, you're just going to pay the most insistent collector. You're going to pay back your family while you owe everybody else money take a deep breath, get some good advice, and then you can move forward.
0: And you can do it cheaply. And this is where uh, Sands & Associates comes in. You can give them a call. They have a 1-800 number, uh, 1-800-661-3030 for that first free consultation. Tell them your story, and they'll help you figure it out. And these guys are licensed insolvency trustees, so uh, they're good to have on your team. Uh, also, you can uh, go to the website, sands-trustee.com for loads of information and. Uh, as well uh, find an office near you. We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin along with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. It's always so great to have someone on the show, a real person who's gone through something and not only survived but benefited from all the from the hard experience and all the hard work, whether it be through a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal. Sometimes, you know, their situation can resonate with you and you get an idea. Or it feels familiar. Uh we we feel so fortunate to have Tom on the show with us. He's uh Tom is a client of Sands and Associates. Uh wanted to come forward and tell his story in the hopes of helping others as well. Uh so thank you Tom so much for joining us.
1: Well, thank you for having me. Great. Tom, I wonder, can you tell me a little bit about the situation that brought you to Sands & Associates? What was going on in your life? You know, what were you experiencing? And, and then what was it like to reach out for help?
2: Oh, well, it started with um, being uh, unexpectedly taken out of work due to a medical situation. Okay. Which then dragged on for long enough to cause financial stress.
1: Yeah, And was this a That's workplace in- injury, something where, you know, you're getting your income replaced? Or is there, there was a big income interruption there?
2: Uh, it was in, uh, income interrupted. Um, it wasn't proven to be a work-related injury. What it was mm-hmm. was I had a severe shoulder problem and needed surgery for correction. Uh, it was not covered by WorkSafe BC. It was not covered by any work insurance. Right. I was on EI for a couple of months on what they call medical EI, but it's a very short period EI. And when I was cut off of that, I was basically left on my own to... Um, Work out my finances while waiting ever so patiently for our BC medical system to um, to take note of me.
0: And it doesn't. And while it's an awful situation for you, Tom, I bet it's not a super unusual situation for folks to find themselves in.
2: No, it's not. And we're all kind of at risk of something like this if you don't plan ahead, which I had not. So when this came about, I did not have much savings in my account Um, it's something that you know it was a hard lesson to learn to plan for the unexpected it's a good idea to just salt away a small percentage of your paycheck every year every every paycheck for that matter Mm -hmm. into a separate account that you might call your emergency account and it might grow for 20 years without ever being touched or it might be two years in and all of a sudden something happens that you need that money that you put aside so that's really the lesson learned about that.
0: You know, and and while I appreciate the fact that y- that you were able to learn that lesson, um, I doubt that very many folks, even one, think about it, or if they've thought about it, are even able to do that. So it's uh, well, you know, it's a pretty special. You're, you're situation. onto something
2: right there, um, and it depends on your geographics. Like I live in the Lower Mainland, and as we know, the Lower Mainland is one of the most expensive places to live. The yeah. cost of living compared to income is quite extreme, the cost of housing, whether you're renting or paying a mortgage, is a higher percentage of your income than most anywhere else in the country. So you're right, it's really, really hard to budget in such a way that you have any money left over at the end of the month to, to just put aside and forget about. So yeah, it can be, you know, living from paycheck to paycheck is not uncommon for a lot of the workforce.
1: And, and Tom, I wonder if you're comfortable sharing numbers or even just percentages, you know, what was the, the magnitude of the shock to your income? I assume you're earning, you know, pretty decent money to start. And then suddenly, um, you know, medical EI is, is not great. And then after that, you know, even lower income. So what what was that like in terms of, you know, either amounts or percentages? Okay,
2: I can give a quick rundown of my story. What it is, is I actually am I'm married without children. Um, there's a bit of an extra financial strain to, to my situation. My wife has on long-term disability. She has MS and she cannot work. So she has a very, very low income through an insurance company. It barely covers a couple of bills. Uh, so basically I'm supporting both of us. My income is fairly decent in a normal two-income family, but unfortunately we're more of a one-and-a-half income family. I'm around, I'll just give you the numbers actually, I'm around seventy to 75000 a year mm-hmm. uh, before taxes. That's my gross income. Uh, I'm in the construction business and have to follow that market so it can fluctuate from year to year. And due to the the cost of income, yeah, it was very difficult to to live within our means of the income that we had and in combined income. So,
0: yeah, we get yeah, it.
2: When the, when the medical situation arose, I was not prepared in the sense that I did not even go into debt until after three months of not being in work. Now, when the e i ran out, this is a part a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their their mind around. I went from a small income the e i covered less than half of my normal wage to zero income and when I say zero income, I mean literally zero income there was no insurance coverage, there was no uh, wCB coverage there was no I mean I even went to the welfare office and applied to welfare to see if I could get any help there because I literally had coming in every month for six months and yet i had to cover rent food bills gas um, you know the typical expenses that everybody has
1: and tom i want to make sure um you know the listeners can really understand where you're at now because that sounds like you know a pretty tough situation can you take me through you know the the steps uh where you reached out for help and you know where you are today because i know you're in a much better spot now
2: I'm afraid you're cutting in and out a little bit there, Ronnie. Oh,
1: apologies there, Tom. I I was wondering uh, for our listeners, um, would you be able to give a sense of kind of where things are at now? Because I'm aware they're significantly better. And, you know, when you reached out for help, how did that go? And was that something, you know, that really made a difference?
2: Okay. Well, I didn't reach out for help right away. I went down that rabbit hole of borrowing more and more money until there was no more money to borrow and no way of paying it back. Uh, I then, and all this time... I'm on this waiting list hoping that the surgery is going to show up and save my wallet, uh, which didn't happen. Uh, then when I realized that I was in real financial trouble, I phoned my creditors and let them know that I'm sorry, but until I go back to work, I simply cannot pay you back or even make a payment. Uh, it took a bit for them to wrap that around their head because they said, you know, even a small payment would make a difference. I'm like, no, it's a, it's a zero income. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I started looking at my options. Um, I'd had heard of personal bankruptcy, so I explored that. I talked with a friend who had gone to a trustee and had his experience with that uh, a number of years ago. So I approached a trustee at that time. This is probably about two months before my surgery. Uh, and the one hitch to dealing with whether you declare bankruptcy or you do a consumer proposal, you do have to have some sort of income because you need to make a monthly payment towards your bankruptcy or towards your consumer proposal, no matter how small that is, it's going to be a percentage of, of your income. So when you start at zero, there's, there's nothing you can do until you, until you can acquire some sort of income. So I had to wait until I went back to work before I reapproached Sands and associates and said, okay, I'm back to work part time. There's my situation. And, Everything went uphill from there,
1: quite nice. quickly. Yeah, and Tom, do you mind sharing what we were able to help you with? Obviously, respecting your confidentiality, I haven't, you know, given any background here. Uh, but.
2: The experience actually was quite amazing. I don't mean to sound like a, a sponsor promoting <laughs> your company, but I got to tell you, the being set at ease and the the non-judgmental uh, atmosphere and approach yes. that uh, your staff has is absolutely amazing. Um, after my first meeting, I mean, uh, I walked out of there feeling a 100 times better. At that point, I was very stressed. I was very depressed. Um, uh, you know, really feeling like I, I was trapped with no way out. And within the first meeting, I didn't feel that way anymore. Once I got everything established and chose a consumer proposal over a bankruptcy, because I could, and I would recommend to people that if you can do that option, uh use bankruptcy as your last option not your first one if you can do a consumer po- proposal it's it's a it's a better way to go you might end up paying a bit more back but you'll also not be as financially hooped and, shall we say, credit hooped, like your your credit rating takes a much bigger hit with a bankruptcy than it does with a consumer proposal.
0: The consumer proposal, you went and saw Sands & Associates, and and that's what they were able to work out with you, was doing the consumer proposal. And I just want to remind the listener, if there's anything in Tom's story that resonates with you, and uh, you're thinking that this may be uh, the path that you want to take, uh, first, go to their website at sands-trustee.com. There's just loads of good information there that, that'll that give you even more information to take that next step. The 1-800 number to get a free consultation, that's your first consultation, and to find an office, 1-800-661-3030, uh, and like I say, to find that Sands & Associates office near you. We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. We have Justin Anderson on the phone uh, with us right now from Aller Homes. And uh, I found this, before before we start chatting, Justin, I found this statistic uh, that I was looking up. About home renovations in this country, and it said in 2015, for example, Canadians spend more, spent more than 71 billion dollars on home improvement costs, which is about an average of five thousand dollars per household. And in 2017, that number is going to hit almost 73 billion. That was astounding to me.
3: Yeah, it's uh, it's big numbers, and you know, it's uh, definitely a booming economy. So it, it's good to see it. Um, you know, especially with the market being so hot, but, uh, but yeah, it's a good, you know, business to be in. Um, and everyone, you know, wants to make sure their, their assets are, you know, in shape for whenever they decide to, to sell or move on.
0: Justin's a partner with Aller Homes in Maple Ridge. He's tons of years of experience in the construction industry, uh, ranging from everything from uh, waterproofing leaky condos to specialized home renovations uh, to custom homes, building customs custom home homes as well. So let's talk about that that business, Justin, of of home renovation. Um, Boy, oh boy, uh, with those kinds of numbers, seven almost $73 billion expected in 2017, uh, that's the number one thing that people think about is the cost and then the stress that comes with that cost. Is that a, your experience as well?
3: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, a lot of clients, they, they reach out and they just, they don't know where to go next, right? And uh, they're kind of looking for that uh, guided process. And a lot of contractors out there just you know, don't have the time, right? So it's kind of go with us or don't. Mm. But uh, at Allaire Homes, we definitely like to make sure we we help you every step of the way because uh, the knowledge is power and knowing what you're doing before you, you know, get into it Definitely helps you out in the long run.
0: And you're kind of managing people's dreams as well. I know if I was to build a home or renovate a home to, with any significance, you know, the stuff that I think about that I'd like to have and then the reality, the hard reality of what those kinds of changes would cost.
3: Yeah, a lot of people have, uh, you know, a lot of needs, but also a lot of wants. Uh, and when it comes down to it, you know we're in the business of trying to weigh that out for them and and obviously put a budget together that makes sense for those uh clients, but at the same time, you know it's we're in the business of building homes, renovating homes, but we're mostly in the business for you know helping our clients and helping them live better lives.
1: Justin, I wonder if you can tell me what are the top couple you know two or three renovation product projects that you're seeing a lot right now in the lower mainland?
3: yeah, so you know we work with a lot of realtors and Um, A lot of people, when they're looking to buy a new home or do a renovation, you know, it comes down to kitchens, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, bathrooms, and obviously the common space. So family living room, uh, you know, kind of making those spaces bigger. So maybe an addition. Right. Um, So kind of the key spots in household.
1: And are there certain average costs or budget that you, you might associate? Obviously, it depends on what those needs and those wants are. But, you know, from a ballpark benchmark point of view, what would you think?
3: yeah you know a lot of people they they start out with maybe you know a, a bathroom or two and and kind of work their way up but it it could be anywhere from you know fifty thousand to a hundred thousand all depending on you know finishes and uh you know just what their expectations are uh, included in that work.
0: That's part of the deal too the the uh um options that as a consumer, we have for, like you say, finishes, but oh my gosh, for a kitchen or a bathroom, there's so many options these days.
3: (laughs) Exactly. You know, really, really being able to talk to somebody who's kind of sitting on that, you know, same side of the table, basically, and going through, you know, what those options are, right? And uh, is it just something that everybody's buying up right now? So the price is up higher? Or is it something that you could get value out of, right? And you know, especially if you're gonna build a home to live in for you know the next ten years, or maybe it's just an investment for the next two to three. So it's a uh, it's a lot of you know process, discovering stage before you even enter into you know ripping down walls.
0: And you're also dealing with um, not fashion as as much as trends, because I'm sure there's a hot kitchen trend right now that you're very well aware of, or a bathroom trend, uh, and it's, I can I would think it would be hard to manage those as well, those expectations that folks have coming in the door.
3: Oh, for sure. And that's why we like to really meet our clients at their home, Uh, you know, sit down in their kitchen, sit down in the space that they're talking about, even just seeing how they kind of uh, describe things and talk about it. We can really pick up exactly what they're actually wanting compared to just what, you know, they saw in a magazine, right? So it doesn't make sense for them to get it or is it just something that in the long run they're going to regret making that decision?
1: Hmm. So there's still a lot of counseling of clients as as you go through, right, trying to guide them towards what what would be something that will make them happy in the long term even if they may not see it in the short term, I imagine.
3: Oh, very uh-huh. much so, you know.
1: <laughs> now, now, Justin, just on, on those uh, projects we were talking about, you know, you gave a bit of a ballpark of, of cost there, but, you know, we often hear of, you know, or costs I didn't plan for or things, you know, I should have thought about and I didn't this. Are there some key costs, hidden costs, things that, you know, continually come up that people really need to build into their budget for a home renovation?
3: Yeah, of course. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, they kind of, uh, you know, look online and go through, you know, what other people suggest. Uh, We always love when people reach out to us because we have a guide that kind of asks those questions that you should be asking your contractor um, and just being aware of. And, you know, some of those can just be as easy as markup. You know, uh, if you do fixed price or cost plus, there's benefits to both. And a lot of people uh, just don't know what those benefits are, right? And if there's a hidden markup in there and it's not being transparent, you could be paying, uh, you know, a lot more than what you expect. Um, you know, another big thing in, in BC, you know, all over really is uh, asbestos as well, right? Mm-hmm. You can get into basically doing a renovation, uh, get a cost for, you know, building everything new and not realize until they test the drywall that there is asbestos. And that could add up, you know, $10,000 onto your renovation uh, job.
0: Yeah, it's a, that's a big deal. We, uh, we had to deal with that once. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a <laughs> huge project to get rid of drywall or ceilings or wherever it happens to be. Uh, and, and it's a costly one as well.
3: Oh yeah, I could change your mindset on on what you want to do right there, right? So having those answers before you kind of step into the next, uh, you know, design state, it's always a good thing to have the right guy there who can help you through that process. So
0: now Aller Homes is uh, based in Maple Ridge. I'm going to assume, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that you that you just don't work in Maple Ridge, but you you venture out.
3: Yeah, so we kind of have a unique uh, unique way of approaching it now because uh, we actually start out in Nanaimo, BC. Uh, we're actually a franchise model. Okay. So, uh, a lot of people, you know, think franchise and, and they have their own thoughts on it. But what it does is it puts a network of contractors together that are looking for a better way of doing things. And we've all come together to work on our software to make sure the clients are, you know, get be taken care of and get the same service no matter where they go. So... In the lower mainland, we have about 12 offices, um, you know, ranging from basically Squamish, uh, downtown Vancouver, and, you know, to Maple Ridge and Chilliwack as well. So there's definitely local contractors in your area that can help you out. Um, And because we are so, uh, you know, large in the area, we usually get a lot of better buying power as well. So, you know, it's a lot of knowledge and and wealth knowledge uh, that can definitely help the client out going with us. Uh, as well as we're across uh, North America and down into the States now.
0: Something to keep in mind. And it brings to mind, too, when we're talking about those hidden costs, uh, in every area, depending on where you are in the lower mainland or on the island or in the interior, uh, the cost of permits for, uh, building and removing, uh, the trash. We touched on the asbestos aspect, but it's, it's just not that, right? I mean, there's lots of trash involved, uh, when you're doing a renovation. So those, so that, that's another hidden cost or a cost that folks need to be aware of.
3: Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, some of those costs can be offset by even just, uh, you know, reaching out to some of our local people that'll take donations. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people uh, Habitat for humanity now even comes and does pick up. So there's a lot of other things to think of. And, you know, other contractors just don't have that time. Uh, but we'd like to make sure we're trying to go for a, a, a greener community for the future.
1: Now, Justin, we often on on this show, we talk about, you know, how debt resolution is something is, you know, you got to talk to a professional, don't try to do it yourself, you're probably not going to get good results. Um, I wonder in your um, industry, you know, are there certain things where, you know, DIY, do it yourself is the wrong decision here? Some things if you're contemplating this type of renovation, you better get a professional involved, or you're going to pay more later?
3: Yeah, I mean, mean, a lot of people, you know, we live in a time where it costs a lot to do something. So they, you know, they look on YouTube and say, hey, I can do that myself, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, sometimes when it comes down to, you know, even plumbing or electrical, you know, it could actually risk your family. And, uh, you know, when you look and weigh that to the end, it's just not worth that risk. Um, but, yeah, basically, you know, if if you're looking at doing, you know, maybe your flooring or, uh, you know, painting or a lot of people nowadays just changing the hardware on your doors or, or in your kitchen cabinets, right, it, those kind of jobs definitely can be maintained and, and sometimes we break down those costs for the clients and if they mm. say, hey, you know what, I can take that on, we'll give them a little bit of guidance, help them out uh, and let them take that on themselves.
0: What about uh, the uh, thoughts or advice for folks uh, reaching out to contractors? I mean, do you guys do all of that work and can you help with that?
3: Yeah, so we have, a, we have a lot in-house, but at the same time, we use a lot of sub-trades based on, you know, what our clients' tastes are. So uh, from day one, you know, a lot of people say, hey, I'm looking for a designer, I'll phone you after. Really, we're probably the best guys to call right off the bat because we'll kind of give you the, the mindset of what you're going to be looking at. Uh, we'll give you the guides and then we can kind of pull you in a direction if you, you know, need to speak to a mortgage specialist or if you need to talk to a, a specific designer uh, even an architect or a draftsman. So, uh, you know, we definitely um, provide all those services and, and we can, or we can point you in the right direction. So
0: what are the kinds of points or, you know, the top three things that folks need to think about bef- uh, before reaching out, let's say to a designer, because I know that's very sort of in vogue to do is get a designer now for these renovations. Uh, what are the kinds of things that we need to pay attention to?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of trades out there too. like uh, if you're speaking about cabinetry, right, they have their own designers for cabinetry. So uh, whether maybe we're doing a bathroom or a kitchen renovation, uh, you kind of have an idea and we can kind of design off that and use you know cabinetry specialists, flooring specialists to, to use those design uh, expertise. Or maybe in your case, we should reach out to designer to kind of bring everything together. Um, so really, each client's a little bit different, and, and you know that could be a huge cost savings in the end, right? So making sure knowing what you want, uh, as well as if a designer is even needed. Um, I know a lot of people too. You know they always speak, I need an architect, I need an architect, and you know maybe just a draftsman is the best way to go. You Got know, it. there's a lot of different avenues to go down, and because you know construction's kind of a a broken system lately, there's so many different ways to approach it. So. That's where we want to make sure we sit down, realize what the client's needs are, and then we can kind of address that in the best direction.
0: Great advice, Justin. Uh, Justin's website to get a hold of him, allershomes.ca. That's A-L-A-I-R-H-O-M-E-S dot We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. This segment's all about interest rates, and I think it's really good that you did this, put this mm-hmm. one together, because it, it is, I mean, it's something that we hear about Every constantly, yep. <laughs> right? What's up, what's down, what's going to happen, and that fear of interest rates going up and the impact that that will have, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et um, cetera. So, always they're always speculated about financial analysts have been talking about, and they've been low forever in this mm-hmm. country. Yeah. which I think is, it's good news and bad news depending on where you are. And I think that's where the confusion or the uncertainty comes from because it can impact you uh, in a couple of different ways, whether they're up or down, depending on what you're doing.
1: Yeah, exactly, Elena. And, and just like you said perfectly, interest rates are so pop culture. Almost every day we hear about is the Bank of Canada going to cut rates or not? What's the Fed doing in the U.S.? But essentially, what is the interest rate? And it's the price of money. Basically, it's the price that you pay that if you borrow money, when you pay it back, there's a certain price for you holding that money for a period of time. And on a bigger scale, the interest rates are how government essentially tries to manage the economy. Um, You know, post-2008, when everything was in the doldrums, the government cut interest rates so significantly to spur growth. So the idea is when interest rates are lower and you need to spur some growth, basically people can borrow money more cheaply, business can invest, and, you know, things are better off. But the challenge is if you keep interest rates too low for too long, well, then inflation starts to creep in and prices start to go up. And, you know, now we're hearing about rent increases for the city of Vancouver, you know, yeah. 4.5% next that's year. Their,
0: yeah, that's their min- that's the, the increase that they've put on them, yeah. which is crazy mm-hmm. because it's already in- unbelievably expensive to try to live in the city of that's Vancouver. That's right,
1: and a vacancy of sub-1%. You yeah. know, that's not an efficient market. That's a very landlord-friendly uh, market. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a lot of this, too, is driven by government's scared to raise interest rates too quickly um, because they're worried about this whole fragile economy, fragile recovery. So if they start to raise interest rates, well, then probably inflation would go down, but what's that going to do to the rest of the economy?
0: Yeah. And it's it's also about raw materials and what we're exporting and what we're importing. I mean, it really impacts A ton of different things in a ton of different ways.
1: Yeah. Now, on a micro level of how does it impact the regular consumer who listens to our show, let's talk about that. Absolutely.
0: So Mm -hmm. credit card debt. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, credit card debt.
1: Zero impact as, as interest rates go up and down. So you know when you hear loans are priced out at prime plus something, you know usually it's prime plus two or prime plus three or something like that. You know if you're doing an, an equity line of credit or something like that, um, you know credit card debts even the cheapest ones are about prime plus seventeen. Exactly. <laughs> you know, the, they
0: don't care. Yeah. They're already so exorbitantly exactly. high than a, higher than anything else.
1: Yeah. So, than
0: possibly the loan shark down the street, but the, that's the payday
1: loans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it'd be you know, too cheeky by half for them to say, you know, the, the interest rates went up by a quarter point. So now our interest rates are going to be 20.25% as yeah. opposed to, you know, 20%. Exactly. So typically interest rates aren't going to impact much on your credit card bill, your credit card statement and the interest that you're charged. There's just not a whole lot of a relationship between the interest rate. What the credit card company would say is that you're paying such a high rate because of risk, because they know that not everybody's going to pay all this debt back. They need to make money. There's a risk premium, so on and so forth. But it, your interest rate and your credit card does. And typically change with the business cycle.
0: And I always feel like we, we need to mention, uh, and I, uh, as an important piece, on your credit card statement, mm-hmm. it says now, by law, yep. how long it will take you to pay it off at this Interest rate, or at this uh, at this rate, if you just make the minimums, making yeah. the minimum payment, this is how long it's going to. You need to pay attention to that number.
1: Oh yeah, six thousand dollars can take you forty years. Yeah, crazy, right? That, that is crazy. And how many times over would you have paid that six thousand back? A yeah, lot, right?
0: At twenty percent or nineteen percent or whatever the thing is. So yeah. pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, so you've added this. Did you know that if you miss payments on your credit cards, you could find your interest rate increases by up to five percent as mm-hmm. a result of delinquency. Yeah. So that's important.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So um, nothing to do with the broader context of interest rates, but you've really got to be aware for your situation that if unless you're paying everything on time, you can suddenly lose, you know, your best client interest rate and be put into a different category that can be significantly more expensive.
0: Yeah. I, my experience is if I miss a, a payment on a credit card by accident, nine times, 99% of the time, that's when it would happen just because I got my dates mixed up. Um, They charge me the full interest, but they don't increase it. But I would bet that it would be on the second or third time that they'd seriously take a look at me.
1: Yeah. Typically after about two to three months, usually three months is that's when they'll make a determination.
0: Okay. So then it's another 5% and that's brutal. Okay. Vehicle financing. Mm -hmm. How are they impacted by the big interest rate?
1: Yeah, and on the surface level, there's really no impact. So your vehicle financing is not going to get more expensive typically if you're already in a loan because they're structured as fixed loans. So when you finance a vehicle, you know if you're super great credit and buying a new car, you know maybe it's at a couple percent or you know maybe it's at five or six percent. It's not a floating rate. So a big difference between fixed and variable, floating or fixed or whatever. um, These are fixed rates typically when you do an auto loan. So it doesn't really change your interest rate at all.
0: Yeah, and they set the amount of time that it's gonna that you're going to take to pay it off too right? They mm-hmm. go 60 months or whatever the whatever the the, uh, the length of time is that's set up. Pre. Well,
1: yeah. And I'm happy you mentioned the 60 months because that used to be the default, right? It used to be you're going to pay your car off over five years. Hopefully you have a little bit of useful life after that. If you can believe it, Elaine, over 85% of Canadians now finance vehicles with terms longer than six years. Wow. So we're talking seven, eight years, nine years sometimes.
0: And th- by that time, your car, if it's brand new when you've bought it, seven years later...
1: Hopefully, it's still going strong. Yeah, (laughs) well, some some manufacturers have a long warranty, but not all.
0: (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure it is, but the well, whatever. Oh, yeah, You yeah. might
1: be sick of it, just being being frank, right? If yeah. you've driven the same car for seven years, yeah, not hardship, let's not say that, no, but, no. but you but, might want to make a change. Yeah, changes
0: yeah. in technology and all that kind of stuff or gas efficiency or fuel efficiency, all those kinds of things can mm-hmm. change over that period of time.
1: Yeah, like the one impact could be that when yeah. you're finished with your current vehicle and if you're going to finance a new vehicle, obviously if interest rates have increased over that period of time, you would expect fixed rates to have increased as well. Right. So if the rates are a percent higher two years from now, expect instead. Of three percent you're probably paying for something like that I would expect the rates on new loans to actually increase.
0: Sure that makes sense that mm-hmm. makes sense especially if they've been at that at that level for a, a period of time too yep. right So lines of credit how does how does did they get impacted really quickly by that or not? Mm-hmm
1: directly and immediately impacted. Okay. So just about every line of credit, uh, whether it's secured against your house or not, is structured as a variable rate loan, which means that any time the interest rate changes, okay. um, you know the bank has to decide how much they're going to pass along to consumers and usually the answer is all of it. So generally, if the rates go up the next day, your line of credit rate is probably going to go up by the same amount.
0: But you know that going in because it's a variable rate. That's what they're going to charge you.
1: Yeah, you know it going in, but does everybody stress test it? Every time you know mm-hmm. does everyone's taking out a line of credit think well what if the rates were doubled if they were you know at four or five percent as opposed right. to maybe the three that I'm paying now um you know what would that do to me and could I afford it it's human nature to say well the good times are just going to continue for now we don't need to worry about the bad times
0: yeah and based on history interest rates haven't gone up by any uh large significant amount for a very long time yeah, oh, so exactly. you have history on your side in thinking that but mm-hmm. something to be aware of what about mortgages
1: and this is a case of fixed versus variable. Again, if you're on a fixed-rate mortgage, no impact. You basically made your deal, and it's at renewal. You'll be looking at potentially higher rates. Um, but variable mortgages is, I think, where people are going to feel the biggest, biggest squeeze on this. Um, you know, if someone's got a variable mortgage at two or three percent now, even a one percent increase in interest rates could mean a 50% increase in the amount of interest that they're ch- being charged. Okay. So I've met with a bunch of, um, you know, usually young families who just did everything they could to get into the housing market. They overextended themselves. Sometimes they put the down payment on some credit card cash advances and things like that. Yeah. And they've got a variable mortgage where if the rates go up at all, they're going to find themselves in a cash flow negative situation. Yeah. So someone who's very, you know, bought too much house and is really hoping on no change in rates and they're on a variable rate mortgage. I think that person's the most vulnerable right now.
0: And that's where interest rates can really impact people who have money. It's for them to go up. It's a good thing because now they're making more money for the folks who need it the most young families that impacts them the worst.
1: Yeah. There's so many interconnections here, you know, even our currency, if rates go up, well, probably the dollar is going to be a bit stronger, but what's it going to do to the economy?
0: Exactly. So what can you do? Can you tell us what can you do?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, in, in just a few seconds, the biggest thing is, is, is don't panic. Right. enough. Um, You know, if you're in a variable um, type of mortgage or variable line of credit, I would investigate about locking in, but you've got to do the cost benefit and run some sensitivities to see, you know, are you locking in at a rate you can afford or do you still want to take a bit of a risk and hope that you'll be smarter in the long term that rates aren't going to go up as much as people think.
0: And if you're in a pickle now, then seek some help. Yeah. Get some advice. Go see Blair. Go to any of the offices throughout British Columbia. Check out their website first, sans-trustee.com. Or call their eight hundred number one eight hundred number at six six one thirty thirty. Go sit down, talk to somebody, see if see if you need some help and how that what that help would look like, and to find an office near you. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.